In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some of you were already at the 9 a.m. Mass, or at the noon Mass. Some of you were not. And so to get you up to speed, if you weren't, we considered how the Feast of the Visitation, whether it's celebrated at the end of May in the ordinary form, or on July 3rd in the extraordinary form, puts in our mind this, this scene of Our Lady visiting her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is overwhelmed, and St. John the Baptist is, is doing somersaults inside his mother. There's an important detail that we usually fail to factor into our meditation, and that's what St. Luke describes on verse 26 of chapter 2. Or rather, it's at the top of this left page. Chapter 1, verse 41. It came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. She cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. It wasn't the moment that Mary was visible at the end of the driveway. It wasn't the moment when, when, uh, when Our Lady was, was so close that they could touch Mary knowing that Jesus was inside. It's when Elizabeth heard the voice of Mary. It was Mary's greeting that prompted this response from Elizabeth and St. John the Baptist six months inside his mother's womb. Moreover, St. Luke describes St. Elizabeth as being filled with the Holy Spirit. It, it, it can't surprise us that the Holy Spirit is active always and everywhere, even before Pentecost. The Holy Spirit had just overshadowed the Blessed Virgin Mary, resulting in the Incarnation. Certainly at Pentecost, there is a, a particular gift that is given for a particular purpose, an overwhelmingly powerful purpose. In the same way that you have already received the Holy Spirit in baptism, every sacrament, and do again in a, in a unique way for a very specific, powerful purpose at confirmation. Mary's words communicate the Holy Spirit to St. Elizabeth. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaims, how is it the mother of my Lord should come to me? The same Holy Spirit prompts St. John the Baptist, who is, he's a human being, but he's still only six months old. He's not, you know, he doesn't have a camel's hair jacket yet, and he's not eating locusts and honey. He's just six months old. He's just, you know, his heart's beating, uh, his brain waves aren't really working yet. He can hear, he can feel pain, he can kick around, he can, he can enjoy whatever his mom is eating, he can respond to the conversations that his mom and dad are having. But this is a, this is a, a human being, not a, not a mind, but just this human soul animated by the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus Christ. 
And then think about what was happening after the resurrection. Our Lord was with them, Mary Magdalene, others, and they didn't recognize him. The, the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they, they had a sense that something was different, but they didn't realize it was him. Until he said the words that communicated to them the grace that opened their eyes and opened their hearts. To Mary Magdalene, all he had to do was say her name. And then he, he, he presented himself, not to, be, not to be kept, but to prompt them to truly believe and ultimately to lead them to heaven, lead them to heaven. In particular, how did, he, how did he present himself to the apostles on Easter Sunday? The doors were locked where the disciples were gathered for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples therefore were glad when they saw the Lord. He said therefore to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Ghost. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Whose sins you retain are retained. So similar to the visitation. He is in their midst. His very presence does not give them consolation but they are still trembling. He breathes on them. His breath communicates to them the spirit of peace. And he shows them his body. He shows them his wounds. This really is my body. This really is where the blood was pouring out of my wounds. And they were changed. Fascinatingly about the apostles, they continued to change slowly. A week later, 10 of the apostles had already seen our Lord at least once, if not twice. And they're still locked out of fear and still not going to Galilee, where our Lord had told them to go several times, both before his death and after his resurrection. He shows himself again a week after Easter. Now Thomas is able to see him and is able to see his wounds. They continue to be changed. They continue to be transformed by their presence in the company of the risen Lord. After 40 days, they were so changed that they could rejoice after they saw him lifted up into heaven. What happens on the altar is not simply the sheer power of God, the sheer power of the Son of God to turn bread and wine into his body and blood, his soul and his divinity. It is also at the same time the, the voice of the Holy Ghost through John the Baptist, through the Blessed Virgin Mary, through the church. 
saying, this, this is our Lord. And who will believe? Those who are able to receive the Holy Spirit. Those who have no desire to follow what's good, even though every human being was made for good, not completely capable of accomplishing it by their own power. Those who have no interest in God, even though every human mind is capable of knowing that a creator created everything, they are already closed off to the Holy Spirit. But it's not as though believing that there is a creator and believing that there is good and bad and caring about it doesn't mean that automatically someone has acquired the Holy Spirit. It's still a gift. You are here because you believe that the body and blood of Christ is present already in the tabernacle and bread and wine will turn into the resurrected body and the resurrected blood of Christ on the altar. You have spiritual eyes. It's something that, for many of you, you've always believed it. You can't imagine life not believing that. Which is at the same time a blessing and a curse. What a blessing it is always to see the world as a Christian. To recognize goodness. To shun evil. To rejoice in everything virtuous. And to be willing to suffer with Christ. But how difficult is it to sympathize with the person who doesn't see? They, they don't recognize Jesus. They, they don't believe. As believers, we think, well, it's the truth. It's obvious. I've always known it. Without realizing that, no, this is, this is the cave. The apostles have seen the world before Christ. And they've, and they've emerged from the cave and they've seen our Lord resurrected. They've seen heaven. And we believe them. We believe them because how they lived their lives and how their lives ended. They see what we have never seen. And our Lord said, blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. We believe because of them. We believe because of their preaching. We, we believe because of their lives and their heroic deaths. And so in, instead of pounding our children or our parents or our neighbors or our friends or our former friends, it's the truth. You just have to believe it or berating them because they don't see it. Why don't you see it? Among the most, most, very most infuriating things in life is to be told by someone as I have, and I will spare you the details. Simply, oh, don't worry. One day you'll get it.
And even if it's true, how snide and condescending. And what an obstacle it places in front of the person who doesn't see what is so apparent to somebody else. So we ask the Lord that we have hearts that are not content simply to believe what we've already known, but to accept everything that the Lord reveals. Not just to embrace the teachings that are comfortable to us, but to embrace the entire gospel. Especially that part of the gospel, which means we will be faithful to him and the world will hate us and we will suffer. But we will rejoice and we will know glory in heaven. We pray to have sympathy for those who don't see and who do not yet believe. We pray to have perseverance to be able to, to explain and to re-explain, to study and to, and to question with them. We also pray for the generosity to, to, to offer up sacrifices for them, that whatever obstacles that are in them that prevent them from receiving the gift of faith may be alleviated by our intercession. We pray that we may be purified so that just as the voice of the Blessed Virgin Mary greeting Elizabeth, just as the voice of St. John the Baptist proclaiming, Behold the Lamb of God, just as the voice of the church through her apostles and through her priests who pray over the altar, This is my body, this is the chalice of my blood, that we may permit the Holy Spirit to speak through us, that we may be a channel of grace for those who do not yet know Christ. And we pray that this not simply be a function or a task, but that our mission stem from believing and loving and adoring and worshiping him. That our attentiveness at Mass our arriving early to prepare, our staying late to offer thanksgiving may be renewed. That our time spent with him outside of Mass, especially at adoration, whether it be here on Wednesdays or First Fridays or St. Agnes during their perpetual adoration, that we may be that much more outgoing and to be willing to go when nobody sees us and to be willing to go even when people will notice us. with gratitude that the Lord permits us to worship him, with gratitude that the Lord makes us his children by baptism, that he makes us channels of grace, we know that we are already in the company of the angels and saints. Even if we don't see them,
May the Lord be known and loved and worshipped and adored by us and by those who will come to believe because of us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.